the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Well, hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. It's Untethered Live on a Sunday night. It's Bible study night. That's right. We are in the great book of 1 Samuel 7-7. Seven, seven. That's where we are. That's where we left off. That's where we're picking up. How is the world treating you where you are? It's pretty good here. I had to rush to get here. I was at work 30 minutes ago. Jammed in here and jumped, got me a good, nice hot cup of coffee, jumped in my shirt, turned the lights on, and here we are, ready to rock and roll. Ain't quit yet. That's the life of a guy that does what I do. Hmm. I hope things are well with you. I hope the weather's nice and the fairing is good. Fairing? I don't think that's the right word, but you got what I meant. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. I'm surviving like a real survivor oughta. And I got some Bible studying to do tonight and tomorrow night. So I'm excited about that. Hmm. Nobody's here yet. It's just me. Just staring at the screen and talking to myself, as usual. No problem. That's all right. But you'll be here in a minute, I'm sure. Got some good news. I'm up getting closer to my goal of getting a new vehicle. Got a, a step closer to that today. We'll see. Maybe next week. I got a bunch of stuff out, feelers, things going. So it's very nice. With any luck, next week I will have a new vehicle. Which is necessary for the job that I do, that I'm getting back into. Riding a Harley ain't going to cut it. So I'm putting her in the barn and getting a truck. Because I need a truck. I actually need an SUV, but you know. I'll make do with what I get. Where is everybody tonight? Sunday night, 8 o'clock. Can't be just me. Don't test me. I'll put on reruns. I'll put on old Roadrunner reruns. I ain't scared. Word to the wise, if you're a person who takes nutrients think twice about taking knack it's a funny aftertaste like you're burping up bales of hay that's what it tastes like not good might be good for you but it ain't good going down walter davis what's up buddy good to see you and stream elements yeah i don't know why i even use stream elements nobody's ever used it before i have sold a couple t-shirts on there but that's about it and that was back in the beginning, and that was only 
people that loved me. No, no strangers have bought any t-shirts from there, so I might as well get rid of the stream elements. Good to see you too. Glad to be here. Glad to be here and kicking. Ready to do some Bible study. Just waiting for some folks to show up so I can have somebody to talk to. And you're already ahead of the game. I've been running like a chicken with my head cut off today, trying to get things done on a Sunday. Worked all day, got that done, little job I needed to get done from Friday. And then I jumped just time, just got time to get back here and get the podcast up and running. Just enough time. And I hadn't even slowed down to eat yet. Still kicking. But in another hour, I see an egg sandwich in my future. Quickly. Now I got to get up and do it all over again in the morning. That's the life of the working man. I wish I was getting paid for half the shit I did. Mm. Been closing in a deck in the back to make an extra room. Cool. That's pretty sweet. When I was a kid, I had my bedroom was built onto the back of our house. We lived in a trailer for like 15 years, but I had a room built on the back. It was a big room, and it was my bedroom. So I got the biggest bedroom in the house. Why they did that, I don't know, because there was a bedroom in the middle. You know how trailers are set up. There's, this was a two-bedroom trailer. So my parents had a bedroom, and there was a middle room. I don't even remember what they used the middle room for, but I got the big bedroom out back. But my door was on the outside, so I had to go outside to go into my bedroom, which is weird. But that's the way they built it, so that's how it was. Needless to say, I could come and go as I pleased, and no one was ever the wiser. And if they were, they never said anything. Or maybe they just trusted me not to go because I rarely ever snuck out. But I did sneak out a couple times. We're talking 12, 13 years old, 11 years old, somewhere around there. Maybe younger than that, maybe 9 or 10. It was a different time back then, though. I was a grown man at 10 years old. Or felt like I was. I thought I was, anyway. Thinking about it now, looking at 10-year-olds today, I look back and wonder what the grown-ups must have thought about me because as far as I was concerned, I was grown. I was working at 11, you know, driving around at 12. So I thought I was a man. My wife and sister-in-law are dot, 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 going to make soap and herbal extracts out there. Well, that's interesting. Sounds like you got you a business plan. That's good. Keep part of the profits. That's all I can tell you to do. Don't do any hocus-pocus. Right, I wish you luck on your endeavor. And I think maybe it's a good move to have extra business, extra income. If you can make it work. I don't know how it is, you know, in the soap industry. I know they seem to make it work on the movie Fight Club. That's what they did in that movie. So they seem to be able to sell to boutique soap shops. So maybe you can do the same thing. 
At ten, I was a little farm kid in Washington, D.C. Fighting every day with eighth graders and high school kids. Yeah, I did a lot of fighting when I was a kid, too. I did a lot of getting my tail tore up is what I did, but I tried to fight back. I just wasn't any good at it. I was a little feller, but strong, headstrong, stubborn, couldn't be told. You know how it is. I think I'm still that way. But anyway, I got my first summer job when I was about 10 years old. I worked during the summer and I went to school the next year. But at 11, I dropped out of school and went to work full time because I was making money. You know, school didn't offer anything to me. I was making money. So I went and did that. And I worked full time right on through my life, you know, and uh, never went back to school. But I did go to college. But I, I did the... uh GED. I got the GED while I was in college. Apparently, I did so well on the entrance exam that they allowed me to do that. Apparently, you're not supposed to do that. They called me a quote-unquote non-traditional student. So apparently, the usual method of going to college is to get graduate and then go to college. So I went to college before I graduated. I graduated while in college, if that makes any sense. Why they let me do that, I don't know, but they did. I can prove it. I got the folder. But it was a wild hair, you know, I was like 22, 23, something like that. And I decided, hey, I think I'll go to college. Probably not a smart move. I can't recall anything that I gained from college. Uh, I learned how to drink. I learned how to party. I learned how to find the best clubs in downtown areas. But I don't recall learning much else. You know, I, I do. I have some English that I accrued from going to college. Like it's helped my writing. But that's it. It didn't help my life at all. I can write like the wind, though. But, you know, having a college degree means nothing. I was good in a fight and stupid for taking all the comers. Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I took all the comers, but I wasn't good in fighting. I get my tail tore up. It made me tough, though. Now I ain't scared of nothing or nobody and... Punch in the face don't mean a damn thing to me, you know. I'm a little fella anyway. It ain't like I got a lot of oomph on my side, but I'm 5'9 and full of vinegar and other things. I went to community college twice, dropped out because it, I had to work. Yep. Well, I worked while I was in college. I paid my own college tuition, except for the use of a Pell, Pell Grant and a Stafford loan. I did get those things. That helped. And then my last year, I had to go to a military college because the Pell Grant ran out and I didn't have the money to keep going to the college or the university. So I got my last credit at the military college. The last couple of credits, whatever it was. And that was a, proved to be a waste of time. Obviously, the the intent of the military college was completely different than the intent of the regular college, and I didn't want to go that route, so I got out of there as quickly as possible. When they started talking about shaving my head, that's when I was, I'm out. I can't do it. I've been a long hair my whole life. I've had short hair a couple of times, but for the most part, I've had long hair. Why? I don't know. Just worked out that way. No particular reason. 
I just like having long hair. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's because I grew up in the rock and roll era and that was the thing to do in those days. Could be. I never I don't recall I don't recall ever thinking about it. Just I'm a long haired fellow. Always have been. Funny how those things happen. When I was like seven, Walter says, we had a 300-pound ram sheep that went after me every morning when I fed him. My dad's advice was to find a place to hit him that hurts. Get tough or dead, that's your choice. Smart dad. That's what's wrong with the world today. Parents are too protective. They don't want their kids to learn the lessons, the lessons they need to learn to survive. What's up, 10 Mile Ranch, MBTV? I let it fly in the breeze and get caught in the trees. A home for the fleas in my hair. A home for the fleas. A hive for the buzzing bees. That's scary. I don't think I want all those animals in my hair, but I like where your head's at. Go to Florida, you can get head lice real easy. Walter says, hey, Montana, how are you? All is well that ends well. Mm. Except for this cup of coffee, I'm really dreading it ending. It's a good cup. Where's my April at tonight? MBTV well, uh, says, I don't recall that very famous hippie song. Are you an alien imposter? Hi, Walter. Are you an alien imposter? I don't think I know that song. Or was that a question? And no, I'm not. I am the real thing. Whatever that means. I will tell you this. An atom is 98% empty space. So in that vein, nothing around me is actually solid. It's solid because it's interrupting the atoms in my arms for some reason, that nobody seems to understand. That's why I don't pass right through this chair or this table. But in a sense, I am a hologram. I am 98% empty space. Blow your mind. MVDV says, I'm annoyed as my first sweet coin is showing insufficient. Sweet corn colonization only half the kernels developed but what did is fantastic caused by too early but have a hundred more maturing sigh yeah um you'll get the hang of that that just takes time to find out when to plant i'm not exactly sure because i'm not a farmer but i assume it's like october or something like that's when you should plant Walter says, I got coffee on from late this afternoon. I might grab a cup after I finish my glass of peach whiskey. Nice. Peach whiskey? Are you drinking schnapps over there? Every now and then. <coughs> Pardon Every now and then, I like to go buy me a little 
pint of that uh, Fireball whiskey. I like that all right. I'm not real much of a drinker, though. Really, that's just I just drink that when I'm sick. But it's good. Gets the gets the uh, vocal cords humming. No peach flavored moonshine. Cool. You are the man. MVTV says no. You plant corn in the early spring. It is the only cereal that cannot survive on its own without humans. If we, if wet or cooler, when tassels come out, it does that. Interesting. I did not know that. I know when the corn pops up around here, but I don't have any idea when they plant it. I don't know how long it takes them to grow, you know. They seem to grow overnight. Seems like it's empty fields and then big corn stalks. But that's just because I ain't paying much attention. P.S. The song is from the Cow Sills. Hair. You must have heard it. Check it sometimes. I will. Hair. Hair. That's a musical, isn't it? Or is that Hairspray? Hair's the name of the song. I got it. Never mind. Oh, believe me. I don't know any of that until I'm reaching. Until I'm re re reacting to things happening. Then I research it. I got you. So you're learning as you go. Not to be confused with the musical. You recall it in five seconds. Okay. I'm sure if I've, if I've ever heard it, I'll recognize it. But I just didn't recognize that line. But I'm sure I've heard it because I've been involved in music all my life. So I'm sure it's come by. Like that song, Alice's Restaurant. That's a random one. Non-GMO corn will drop will grow from dropped corn. GMO will sometimes. Got it. GMO, that's genetically modified, right? Genetic modification organization. I don't know what it means, but I know what it means. I know I don't want to eat any of it. Arlo Guthrie, great song. Yes, it is. You win the gold star. If I can find it. There you go. MVTV says, I heard that, Walter. I read that squirrels and other birds will spread it around, but again, unsure if I will sprout after winter, if it will sprout after winter. <coughs> Most seeds will not, most seeds will if not eaten by mice. Hmm. Well, ain't a lot you can do about mice other than poison them, and that messes up your food. I did just harvest two cabbages 
the size of my head, the one on top, that is, just fantastic. Too bad I don't care much for cabbage going to adult living center in Ashland. Well, you could make coleslaw. That's pretty good. It's it's good and edible anyway. Might not be the best thing in the world, but you can eat it. Walter says, Sprout. Where is everybody tonight? I feel left out. People are just not coming. Have they reached the limit? Have they gotten tired of me? What could you be doing on a Sunday night other than dreading Monday morning? There are a million field mice per acre. Upper-level carnivores live off of them. Cool. I don't know about that. I don't like mice. I say there should be a million mouse traps per acre. Coleslaw is okay, but not to the extent of making it. I bet the nursing home will make a big meal of it. Love it with corned beef hash, not corned beef, sigh, corned beef, love it with corned beef, but no corned beef, oh, I got you, sorry, there's a heart that they put in our chat, that is like a pull-up window that has a few emojis on it, and it's right over the text of the chat coming in, I don't know why they put it there, I don't like it. So I have to wait for the chat to move before I can read the whole thing. That's just another thing in the way, as far as I can tell. My cats get at least three mice and a vole per night. It's a standard choice to collect them and the pieces to dispose of before attracting flies. Yeah. Yep. I don't have any mice either because I got cats in my yard. But I did have, before they showed up, I did have mice. They all died now. Walter says, Moa hayfield late and see how many foxes and coyotes and hawks and eagles come out for the mice. It's crazy. That's good. That means they're getting a good meal. See? There's another reason you should cut your grass on a regular basis. You feed all the hawks and eagles and coyotes, foxes. I don't blame them, do you? If I could have a meal come to me, I would. Pretty smart, those foxes and coyotes. I've seen a coyote honeypot a dog. You ever seen that? I've seen a coyote come up to a dog and make friends with it through the fence. Be buddy-buddy. And then talk the dog into doing some stupid shit so the coyote can eat. Like chasing a chicken out in the yard. And then the coyote will jump over and get it and go. Amazing. Honey, honey pot and coyotes. Walker says, I'll try to catch it. I'll try to catch him on video next month. 
That might be a good, interesting video. Ten Mile says, will do, Walter. Fields mowed last week and now studded with bales. I saw a porcupine three days ago and at least 500 yards away and, a, uh, and size of a large dog. Eyes out to get on film. Huge. Yeah, that'd be interesting. There's Lisa Reen. Hey, how are you? Present and accounted for. My hands are busy, though. Hi, everybody. Well, as long as you're here, that's all that matters. I don't know what's going on tonight. Everybody seems to be vanished, except for you three. So thank you all for being here. So I guess we go ahead and get started. It's 825. Reckon they'll show up when they show up. So if you got your Bibles handy, crack them open to the great book of First Samuel. Let's get started. Let's get after it. Let's get going. And it reads. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together at Mizpeh, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Why? Well, because the Philistines, among other things, employed giants in their army. Not only that, they had very advanced weaponry. And the Israelites are just a ragtag army of sword slingers, basically. They're not, they're not, uh, their victories have always come from the Ark of the Covenant. They're not an especially big or powerful army. But these Philistines are, big time. So, and the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hands of the Philistines. Please, Samuel, you talk to God. You talk to him directly. So how about don't stop talking to God until he answers you? Because these people are freaking us out. And Samuel took a chucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. He burnt the whole thing. He didn't even skin it. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. See how that works? If you cry to God, he hears you. He may not answer you, but he hears you. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. The Philistine, And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. Imagine that. You're heading into battle and a thunderstorm beats you back. The army didn't have to do anything. It was such a great storm that it discomfited them. It made them a little weary. We're talking thunderings and lightnings and rain and hail and God knows what all. And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then that's a behind attack. As the Philistines were retreating, they came up behind them and killed them all until they got to Bethkar. <coughs> and then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpeh and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. <coughs> Pardon me. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. As long as he lives, the Philistines ain't going to come bothering. 
And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron even unto Gath. And the coasts thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. That's an interesting statement. The Amorites or the Philistines. Who are the Amorites? They are the children of Ammon. One of the tribes that God told Israel to defeat, to completely and utterly destroy when they first came into Canaan. Do you remember that? Amorites were the first ones on the list. And yet here they are. Still. They have regrouped. They have rebred. There's more of them than ever. If they had nipped them in the bud in the beginning, this problem wouldn't be happening. Just so you know. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Galal, Gilgal and Mizpeh and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah. That's where he's from. But there was his house. And there he judged Israel. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. And now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre or lust or after greed or after profit. That's what they were about. And they took bribes and perverted judgments. In other words... You could buy a good judgment from them. These are Samuel's first two children, not good kids. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. What? I can't do that. Well, you're going to have to because your sons are assholes and uh, we need somebody to judge us properly. So, you know, do your thing. Make us a king so that we can be like everybody else, so that we can go to our king directly and manipulate him. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Think about this statement. God tells Samuel, look, I have done everything I know to do. I have saved them time and time and time and time and time again, and they keep turning against me. I'm trying to be their king. I'm trying to be their God and they just don't want no part of it. So, do whatever they want. If they want a man-king, give them one. But that comes with some regrets. And I'm going to tell you what those are. They didn't reject you, Samuel. They rejected me, says God. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, up out of Egypt, even unto this day, Wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. They're not listening to you either, Samuel. 
They're serving other gods. They're walking a tight rope that is utterly against the direction I want them to walk. Now, therefore, hearken unto their voice. How be it? Yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Give them what they want, Samuel, but make sure you tell them what they're getting. Make sure they know this is what you're going to get when you get a king. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked him for a king. And he said, This will be the manner of king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, for his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots, meaning they'll be the fodder for the, the, the fire. They're going to get the brunt of the attacks so that he can be safe. That's the kind of king you're going to have. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear to set them to ear his ground, and to reap his harvest. In other words, he will make slaves out of them to plant his crops, and make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be con confectionaries, cooks, and to be cooks or confectionaries like a baker. And to be cooks and to be bakers. See? Whatever. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. Not yours. His. He will take the tenth of your sheep, and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in, the, in that day because of your king, which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Let me read that again. And you will cry out in that day because of the king you chose, and God will not hear you because you chose this. You asked for this. <clears throat> and you wouldn't have it any other way. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. See how this is rooted in, in jealousy and in greed and in fear? They want a king to take the brunt of the responsibility of battle so they don't have to die anymore. They want a king to make the decisions so they don't have to make them anymore. They want to be just like all the other nations who are ruled over by false deities so that they don't have to follow God anymore. Is that any different than what's going on right now? No. <laughs> And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and, re and he rehearsed them in the ears of the lords. In other words, he told God everything he, they told him. Yes, it sounds just like now, Walter. That's exactly right. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto their voice. Make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. 
Everybody go home. I'll do what you ask. Now, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bicharoth, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. For his shoulders and upward he was higher than any of the people. In other words, he was very tall and very stout and very strong and very handsome. And the asses of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, his son, Take now one of the servants with thee and arise and go seek the asses. And he passed through Mount Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha. But they found them not. Then they passed through the land of Shalim. And there they were not. And he passed through the land of the Benjamites. But they found them not. And when they were come to the land of Zuth, Saul said to his servants that was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father leave caring for the asses and take thought for us. In other words, unless we get lost and don't ever get returned. Let's turn around and go back. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is a city. There is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man, speaking about Samuel. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither. Peradventure, he can show us our way that we should go. So they're lost. They don't even know how to get home. But they know where they're at. They just don't know the path back home. And also they don't know where their sheep are. Then said Saul to his servant, Behold, if we go, but behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? We don't want to show up empty-handed. Surely we can bring him something. For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring the man of God. What have we? What do we got? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand a fourth part of a shekel of silver. That will I give the man of God to tell us our way. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go see the seer, or go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. What does that mean? Well, in the old, old days, there were magi and wizards and seers, soothsayers, and that sort of thing. What is the difference between a seer and a prophet? None. They're the same thing. A prophet sees the future. So does a seer. Same thing. Different, different source, same ability. Then said Saul to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went unto, they went unto the city where the man of God was. And as they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water and said unto them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, He is. Behold, he is before you. Make haste now. For he came today to the city. Apparently he knew they were coming. For there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place, meaning they're going to sacrifice to God today. As soon as ye become into the city, ye shall straightway find him. 
before he go up to the high place to eat, for the people will not eat until he comes, because he doth bless the sacrifice, and afterwards they eat that be bidden. That means not everybody gets to eat, only the people involved in the sacrifice get to eat. Now therefore get you up, for about this time you shall find him. <coughs> so not only did they come to the right place, but they came at the right time to just run right into him. <coughs> A little tickle in my throat, excuse me. And they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. Now, the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel. See, even though God has turned loose of the people and let them have what they want, even now he's part of what's happening. He sent Saul to him. Could be that he knew what Saul was and he knew what Saul would do, and he knew how it would end. And yet this is another way to teach the people that he is Almighty God, if you look at it that way. I do. That he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry was come to me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake of, to thee, respect to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. So Samuel spots Saul in the crowd and knows immediately that's going to be the new king. Keep in mind, he's a stranger in this land. He doesn't belong to these people. He belongs to Benjamin, a tribe over there. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me into the high place for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and I will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found, and on whom is all the desire of Israel. You found your sheep. I don't think that's what Samuel meant, but I think he's referring to Israel as the sheep that Saul was looking for, metaphorically. He's the shepherd. They're the sheep. This is a type for Christ in this moment. Although Saul will not stay that way, he is that way currently. Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, I am not... Sorry, Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? Why are you talking to me like I'm something special? Am I not of the smallest tribe? We don't have any clout. We don't have any say-so. We're a little tiny tribe amongst all these great big tribes. Nobody's going to listen to me. Why are you talking to me like this? And Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlor and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about 30 people. So there's 30 people in the room, and he put Saul at the head of the table in the highest place in the room as the king. 
would sit. And you got to think Saul is pretty uncomfortable right about now because he knows the significance of where he's sitting and why. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, set it by thee. In other words, he's already told the cook to set aside a portion for Saul, and he didn't even know Saul was going to be there until he saw him. That's what happens when you trust the word of God, because God told him the day before Saul was coming. And the cook took up the shoulder, which is the part that the priest gets to eat, by the way, and that which was upon it, in other words, the whole shoulder, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold, that which is left, set, set it before thee, and eat. For unto this time hath it been kept for thee since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they arose early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day, or about noon. No, the spring of the day is about daylight. Sorry. That Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out, both of them, he and Samuel abroad. So they left the city. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid thy servant pass on before us. Tell your man to walk up ahead of us. And he passed on so they could talk privately. But stand thou still a while that I may show thee the word of God. So he said, Tell your servant to go on up ahead of us and let's stay back here for a while until we have a good distance so we're alone. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head. This is olive oil in a small vial. It's the oil of our people. It is the obedience of God. There's no magic in the oil. It is obeying God's word that makes it useful. He anointed his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Question mark. He's asking Saul. Saul's wondering, but he hadn't said anything. Why is this guy anointing in me and kissing me on the head? So Samuel is answering him before he even asks. When thou art departed from me this day, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher on the border of Benjamin and Zelzah. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of these asses, or of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Which is what he thought would might happen if they didn't hurry up and get home. So now his father thinks his son is lost, but he found his asses that he sent him after. Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, this is awful specific, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. In other words, you'll be fed along the way, don't worry. Your whole trip is taken care of by God. And thou shalt come to the hill of God, 
Where is the garrison of the Philistines? And it shall come to pass, when thou art come hither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery, or musical instruments, and a tabret, and a pipe, and a harp before them. So there's a procession of musicians before these prophets coming down from the high place. And they shall prophesy, and the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. Wow. Saul is freaking out right about now. What's going to happen now? When you get to this third location, all of which have to do with God, by the way, it's like uh, road signs. Go to God, go to God, go to God. This third time out, when you're on your way home, when you come across godly men prophesying, you're going to be hit by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to prophesy, and he's going to change you into another man. What does that mean? He's going to be saved. He's going to be born again. More specifically, born from above. And let it be when these signs are come to pass, sorry, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. When you see these signs, don't run from them, accept them, because God is with you. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. So you're going to be there for seven days. And it was so that when he had turned back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. God changed his heart from the heart that he had into a godly man's heart. Will it stay that way? Not necessarily. You have to keep at it. You have to work at it. God will change your heart, but you have to work at it every day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, the prophesied among the prophets. He prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? He's not a prophet. What is he doing over there prophesying with the prophets? Is Saul also among the prophets? Is he a prophet now? Did, did something happen to him since the last time we saw him? It's kind of weird. And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? That would be God. Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? They would ask that question, meaning, Do you trust your king or don't you? Do you think your king is of God or do you not? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. And Saul's uncle said unto him and to his servant, Whither went ye? Where did you guys go? And he said, To seek the asses. Duh. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel, hoping that he might tell us. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found. But of the matter of the kingdom whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. He didn't tell him that he was going to be king. 
He's still freaked out about that. And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah and said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all the kingdoms and of them that oppressed you. And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversaries and your tribulations. And ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us, a man over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Go ahead and bow down to God one last time because this is going to happen. <coughs> and when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribes of Benjamin was taken. Hmm? And when he had caused the tribes of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. Saul doesn't want to be king. He never thought about being king. He's not prepared to be king. He hears what's going on, and he hid himself. I don't blame him. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders upwards. He's a tall boy. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him who the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. To which Saul was like, do what? Huh? Then Samuel told the people in the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in the book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gabeah. And there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial said, that's a false deity, by the way. How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought no presents, but he held his peace. Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a repro reproach upon Israel. In other words, you can serve us, but we're going to poke out your right eyes to punish you for what Israel has done. Nahash is where the Cyclops uh, legends come from. And this is why. Then came the messengers to Gibeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people, and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Well, I bet. Oh, I skipped one, sorry. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite. Let us think about this for seven days, that we may send messengers unto all the coasts of Israel, and then, if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Yeah. Then came the messengers to Gibeah of Saul. Yeah, um, they aren't really sure 
Let me tell you, if somebody tells me I need to poke my eye out, I'm pretty sure I'm not doing that. Apparently, they're not quite sure. So they're going to go look and see if there's anybody around that will save them from this. And if not, to avoid fighting this massive army of Nahash, they'll poke out their eyes. Kind of freaky. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field, and Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and when he heard those tidings, his anger was kindled greatly. I bet so. I don't want nobody poking my people's eyes out. Can you imagine us walking around with a bunch of left eyes? And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of the messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out with one consent. <laughs> yeah. They recognize what's going on. And Samuel's not dead yet. So God clearly has spoken. And when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said unto the messengers that came, Thus shall ye say unto the men of Jebesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by that time the sun will be hot, ye shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it to the men of Jebesh, and they were glad. Well, I bet they were, because they don't have to poke their eyes out now. So by noon, Saul and his group is going to be there. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out unto you, and ye shall do with us all that seemeth good unto you. And it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch, and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered, so that two of them were not left together. They all ran in different directions. The same people that wanted to have Israel poke their right eyes out are now defeated. And the people said unto Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in, that we may put them to death. What? That's what you were asking for. You asked for a king. You got a king. You don't get to complain about it now. And you're not putting anybody to death. And Saul said, There shall not a man be put to death this day, for today the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. Yet yeah, you're not killing anybody today. Not in my name, not in anybody else's name. Nobody's dying today because today God has saved Israel. Salvation has come. Then said Samuel to the people, Come and let us go to Gil Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. Let us make all the laws and do all the things and set Saul up as king, and get it all notarized and ready to go. So all the people went to Gil Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto you. 
unto your voice and all that ye said unto me and have made a king over you. Behold, this is what you asked for. This is what you got. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here I am. Those wise, energetic words once again from Samuel, from Abraham, from many other people, from Christ. Here am I. Here I am. Remember that? Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? I've taken nobody's payments. I have spoke for the Lord only. I am not bought. I am not paid for. Is what he's saying here. Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Nobody. Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind my eyes therewith? I've been a good judge to you all the days of my life. I have never taken a bribe. I have never made the wrong decision. I have never been bad all the days of my life. And now I will restore it to you. Now it's your turn. There you go. You got a king. That's what you wanted. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us nor oppressed us. Neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand, nothing out of anybody's hand. So you know, you know you're doing wrong by wanting a king, right? And he said unto them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that ye have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. We understand, Saul, Samuel. We know you're not bought. We know you're a good man. We also know you're about to die. We also know that we've asked for a king to judge us in the future. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. It wasn't them. It was God that did that. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to your fathers. Let me tell you all of the things that he did. Be still and listen. When Jacob was come into Egypt and your fathers cried unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the kings of Moab. And they fought against them. And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned, because we have forsaken the Lord, and served Balaam, which is false deity, and Ashtaroth, which is a false deity. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve thee. This is a promise you made, and you continue to do so. Every time you screw up, you cry for God, and he comes and saves you, and you promise to serve him until you don't. And then you go back to the ways you did before and turn against God, and then he lets people take over, and then you cry to God, and he comes and saves you, and you promise to follow him. This is a vicious cycle that's been happening over and over and over again. But now that you have turned your back on God for the last time and asked for a man-king when he wants to be your king, now when you cry to God, he's not going to hear you. Make sure you understand that. And the Lord sent Jerubbabel and Bidan, 
and Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelled safe. You didn't have these problems. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, you said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us. And when the Lord your God was your king, the Lord was already your king. You didn't need a king, but you wanted a man king, somebody you could talk to, somebody you could manipulate. That's what you wanted. But God was already your king. He already kept you safe. Now you're going to find out what it's like to serve under a man who can't do any of those things. Now, therefore, behold, the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired, and behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. And ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandments of the Lord. Then shall both ye and also the king that reign over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Now for therefore stand ye and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? Will I call unto the Lord and shall send thunder and rain and and he shall send thunder and rain that ye may perceive and see your wickedness is great which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for a king will you not see that can you not understand what you've asked for what you've done so Samuel called unto the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel as they rightly should this word fear is reverence, not terror. It's reverence. They revered the Lord in Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God. Notice they're calling him his God, thy God, not my God, not my king, your God. Pray for us to your God that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask for a king. Well, at least you recognize it. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. What does that mean? Well, a king is a vain thing. He can't, pro he can't profit you, he can't deliver you. He can tell you what to do. He can subjugate you and make you a slave or a servant. And he can, you know, battle. And as long as he don't die, he can keep the land safe. But that's it. No divine things are going to come from this king. Everything he does is going to be as a man would do. You had a divine king and you wanted a little king. You had a big one. You wanted a little one. And now you got it. But because of the promise he made to Abraham so many years ago, you can't forget that. This is a covenant between man and God. He will not forsake his people. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. 
This is ultimately a good thing. God wanted these people. Loami, Miami, I will be your God and you will be my people, says God. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. I'll pray for you till I'm dead. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. Think about what you've done. Think about what God did for you. Think about what you, where you've come from. But if you, if you will still do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both you and your king. And that's where we're going to stop for today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll pick up tomorrow night, which I suspect this is pretty close to the end of the book. But we'll pick up tomorrow night in 13.1 and continue this story. I hope that that touched your heart. I hope you learned something. I hope it brings you ever closer to your father and causes you to want to pray and build a relationship with him and learn what's expected of you, why God wants to be your God. He doesn't want you to have a king or a president. He wants you to worship him. So give him that, would you? I want you to do me a favor and hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online. Smash that like button. It's free. It's effortless. It's right in front of you, and it really does help the channel with the algorithms. Won't you do that, please? Share this video with somebody you love. Better yet, share it with somebody you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave comments down below. Let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, drink my Kool-Aid, make your own Kool-Aid as long as you're thinking critical. That's what I want. And hey... If you love the Word of God, then you can see the value of what I'm trying to build here. Or if you feel led to send your tithes, offerings, or love offerings. Or if you'd just like to help out and say, hey, good job, Jake. Here's a little something for you. You can do that. You can support my work by going to paypal.me slash Jake Johnson Band. Or if you're a Cash App user, you can go to dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a blessing to me. It's a win-win. It's a blessing to you because God notices these things. We do live in a reciprocal universe. I will do everything in my power to be worthy of your support and do right by you every chance I get, just like I'm about to at the end of this video. All right. Moral Compass, welcome to the show. I think we met before. No service? Good enough. I don't do services. I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. I'm a pastor, not a preacher. Hope that helps. Yeah, Walter. God says clear them out or fight them till the end of time. Seems that way. But he did tell them to kill all of them. And if they'd have done so, they wouldn't be having those problems. Sounds like now. Yes, it does. Hey, Michelle, says Walter. Love you, sister. That must be your sister. MVTV says, there's a lonely little like button over there. I'm just saying. Yeah, somebody hit that like button. Ain't got but three likes. Of course, I ain't got but three people watching. So, Or four. Go figure. It's been a slow night tonight. I don't know where everybody's at. Hmm. Guess you can't win them all. She is a very good friend. Well, welcome to the show, Moral Compass. I'll take it. I'm going to use all the friends I can get. I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed it. And we do this Sunday and Monday. And then Wednesday and Friday, we just hang out and talk. Or 
play music or shoot the breeze or throw darts or something. We'll do something. Any questions, comments, criticisms, catharsis, careful considerations? Crab apples? I don't know. I made a wrong one. One of these things are not like the other. No? Well, all right then. I have had a very long day. So I'm going to go to bed now. I'm going to cut it short a little bit by about 10 minutes. There's nobody here asking questions. Left their other night. Left there the other night. App didn't work. About 20 miles. That's not good. I don't know what you're talking about, but that's not good if your map don't work. That's why you should use a paper map, because it always works. Or better yet, memorize the locations. Anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed the show, and I'll see you tomorrow night. And I promise to go long tomorrow night to make up for the shortness tonight, because maybe there'll be more people here. Have a great night. God bless you all. May all your dreams come true. May all your problems be solved. May you rest easy. May peace find you all. Have a great night, and thank you for watching. Thank you.